Oh, yeah, this year is winding down. 2024 is on the horizon. That's going to be a fun year. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. I'm streaming live on the WORD Facebook page. Recently, we had the uh, we had the Ivy League presidents up there in front of uh, Congress talking, and Elise Stefanik she got up there and asked them a few questions that they just simply could not answer. And this is not played well anywhere in the world. <laughs> This is not played well. Some people, like in England, they tried to listen to it on BBC Radio 4. And uh, it still was cringy. And there's no coming back from this for, for them. This is where they have lost what some people would refer to as the social license. That's gone. This is like when the major cigarette manufacturers straight up lied to Congress about the link between smoking and cancer. They're out there going, well, you know, these have vitamin C. Most doctors smoke this brand more than any other brand. All that other nonsense, right? Now, there's a lot of people that think now is the time to fix academia, at least the Ivy League. Trade schools don't have this problem. Tech schools don't have this problem. They have something called the uh, Foundation of Individual Rights and Expression, the FIRE standard, which is where they measure what freedom of speech is like in these various institutions of higher learning. But see, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. Before, uh, you know, right now, Harvard alone has an endowment north of $50 billion. But in the 16th century much bigger than Harvard or Penn or, you know, MIT, were the monasteries of England. And in the span of four years, 1536 to 1540, all of them went from where they were at the height of their power to just being gone altogether. They tried to revive them 20 years later, and uh, that failed as well. This was Henry VIII's dissolution of the monasteries. And as with monasteries, if Harvard annoys the people of your country enough, you know, the wealthy elites of the country, then the $50 billion endowments are not going to save it. As a matter of fact, they're going to go away. During the 16th century, the English religious houses controlled a awful lot of things going on in politics in England. They disposed of about half of all of the income and owned a quarter of the nation's landed wealth. Of England's adult male population at the time, approximately half a million, one in 50 were in a religious order of some sort. With only a handful of exceptions, England's best educated and brightest women were all nuns. Now, Henry VIII broke, and he was notoriously, notoriously broke, and he, he was never a gener, genuine Protestant in any way. He had very incoherent religious policy. And then he, in 1537, he founded a new monastery to pray for his wife, Jane Seymour's soul, while continuing to dissolve the monasteries.
This is in eighteen in eight forty three, China's Tang Dynasty, Emperor Wu Zong. He dissolved all of his country's Buddhist monasteries, and he began by ending their tax exempt status. So disillusions tear apart the tore apart the social fabric of England at the time. It's not something that anybody should actually wish for anybody's, you know, upon anybody's society. But here's the thing. They've lost the social license with what they've done. And right now, wealthy people are all, you know, they're going to take that money and go somewhere else. Now, the problem here is that this is a constitutional republic. And uh, this is, uh, you know, you can't just buy, there's no, no monarch here. So they, there's no disillusion that's going to happen of that type. But there was something that, uh, the monasteries were, were riddled with something they referred to as superstitio. Not a nice word in either classical or ecclesiastical Latin. pagan Roman critics of early Christianity called the new kid on the religious block superstitio. And un other, unlike other classical, classical Latin words, as sometimes happened once the language ceased to be spoken, superstitio did not change its meaning. This was shorthand for the bonkers religious nonsense with emotionally incontinent roots, which sort of sounds like what we have today. And what was the substantive content of Cromwell's superstitio as found in the monasteries? The fake relics and the fake miracles and the pointless pilgrimages to see both designed to empty people's pockets. He said, Cromwell said, there shall not show no relics or feigned miracles for increase of lucre. Now, Claudine Gale and Elizabeth McGill and Sally Cornbluth, they didn't turn up trying to sell at least Stephanak a piece of the true cross or an ampule of San Gennaro's blood, but they may as well have. They're just full of vaucous nonsense rooted in emotionally incontinent wibble. They are superstitio. They've, they've developed this uh, definition of racism that blinds people to injustices against any group seen as dominant. So if you're a dominant group, you can't possibly have racism played against you, but you are inherently racist. They've divided the world into these simplistic categories of oppressors and oppressed, whites and people of color, colonizers and colonized. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to these universities. We live in a very big world now. And uh, much bigger, more powerful sta states and staggering wealth compared to that of Tudor England. We can afford these parasitic instit institutions. Henry VIII and Emperor Wu Zong couldn't. But whatever's going to happen, it's going to be messy. So, what we can do is we can stop giving them federal money. We can absolutely stop giving them federal money. And that should be the first thing that we do. That should be the only thing we do. They, we, the, the cost of college has gone through the roof. 
And you're getting nothing for it. You're getting nothing for it. All of the people right now today that are coming into coming into positions of responsibility with these companies, especially these marketing kids, uh, they their world is a very skewed view. They believe TikTok. They, they live in the world of sensationalism. Something can be done, though, because we do have the historical precedent for it. There had been monasteries in England since the 6th century, and in less than 20 years, the country's monastic impulse was totally extinguished. It was there. And here's the thing about all things. All things in this world. Everything ends. Nothing lasts forever. And these universities, as they sit right now today, this is not going to, this is not something that will be able to perpetuate itself. It is not able to sustain itself. Because in the end, there's no value there at all. There's no value there at all. If you have a kid in school right now and they're going to one of these schools, my, save the money, pull them out. Get them in a trade school, let them learn a trade or something. Pick a smaller college that doesn't play this uh, social game. Education is its own it's its own category. It's not social, it's education. It's teaching. It's not indoctrination. Christmas weekend uh in some of these blue cities the Christmas weekend was sort of uh red. And it's something they voted for, too. That when we get back. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I, I feel bad. Sort of for the regular people of the blue cities, just but only just sort of. GS uh, Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. You can call them the Squad Murders if you want to. Letting all the killers and the muggers run wild. That has consequences, and most of the time that's going to be measured in bloodshed. Let's see if I can push that button, make that happen, so I can also stream at the same time. Streaming on the WORD Facebook page. In New York City, there was a racist stabbing of two young girls. But you're not going to hear it described as a racist stabbing by the racist Marxist press, of course. But we get this. A troubled vagrant randomly stabbed two teenage girls during a Christmas morning meal with their parents at a Grand Central Terminal restaurant after ranting that he wanted all white people dead. The girls, 14 and 16 years old, visiting from South America, were attacked at Tartinery at the Grand uh, Central Dining Concourse around 11.25 a.m. Monday, and they suffered non-life-threatening stab wounds. I want all the white people dead, the suspect Stephen Hutcherson, 36, allegedly yelled, according to police sources. I want to sit next to the crackers. And then he uh, stabbed one 16-year-old little girl in the back, 
nicking her lungs, and he st stabbed another one, a younger one, in the thigh. Mr. Hutchinson, and the police say he has a slew of prior arrests and a history of mental health issues, has allegedly popped up at the restaurant and said, or had allegedly, and he wanted a table, he wasn't going to order anything. Then we go to Obama's hometown, which I'm just kidding about that. He slummed there to take advantage of the corrupt political machine and then left forever when he conned the nation into electing a president. In his slum, there were 18 shootings over the two days of the pre-Christmas weekend. And we get this. At least... 18 people were shot, two of them fatally, during the first two days of the Christmas weekend in Mayor Brandon Johnson's Democrat Socialist Communist Chicago. The weekend's first shooting fatally, uh, fatality occurred at 12.45 p.m. Saturday when a 28-year-old was shot while on the sidewalk. The shots were fired by someone inside a vehicle. He was struck in the head and transported to the hospital where he died. Another woman was shot in the head and killed while driving a car in Chicago the day after Christmas. Now, this is a thing I really don't understand. And uh, it, you might understand. I really don't understand this. See, do people in the blue cities, do they just lose all sense of self-preservation when they move there? I know in, in uh, I know like in New York. In New York, everybody's like, well, no, no, New York is like no other city in the world. I get that. The, the pace, the this, the that, I, I get that too. But, you know, you guys are not what you used to be, right? You're not what you used to be uh, prior to uh, Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio turns you around and uh, now Eric Davis is out there and he's just flailing in the wind. He's made all of his friends, he's given all of his friends a nice job and everything else, just like some of these other people have. But, hey, you know, to the victor goes the spoils, right? But in the meantime, you people that vote for them, the, the, the constituents of these cities, you're the ones I don't understand because they're not going to feel the pain of their policy. You will. You're going to feel the pain of the policy in such a way that it is, I mean, it is, there's just no way to get away from it. And Why? What is it about the Democrats that seems like it is such a thing that has to be constantly nurtured? So that's the thing I really don't get. I don't get that constant need to uh, prop up the Democrat Socialist uh, Communist Party that is in place. I understand you probably don't have any alternatives in these cities because Republicans have probably just said, you know what, we're out of here. So I don't know what the answer is for you. I feel bad, but you get what you vote for. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to get out there and go, enjoy the murders and the mayhem. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. But what I will say is that you guys, uh, where is that primitive part of you that tells you that this is not the way to be? I mean, intuition goes a long way do the people of the blue cities and if there's anybody out there listening today that has come from a blue city um 
when you're in these blue cities, when you live there long enough, do you just suddenly become, oh, well, this is the way it's going to be? Is that the way you see the world? This is just the way it is. Republicans are Hitler, and they're this, that, the other, and the Democrats are for me. And in the, you know, in the meantime, here's a woman, and what they don't tell you, she was probably black. But here's a woman who was shot in the head and killed while driving the day after Christmas in Chicago. Just driving her car. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether she's black or white, but, you know, uh, black America, stop voting Democrat, please. You guys have been sold a really bad bill, uh, you know, bad goods. You, you know, the bill you've, ha- you've been having to pay, it's not worth it. So, you know, or New York. You got two teenagers having breakfast with them, right? Christmas morning. And then a mentally ill dude that has been allowed out there, and it doesn't matter what color he is either. The mentally ill, because they they let these guys out. They let the mentally ill out. They let the criminals out. And then you suddenly have a 16-year-old who should never be stabbed. 16-year-olds are not supposed to be stabbed. Nobody's supposed to be stabbed, but definitely children are never supposed to be stabbed. Yes. Uh, Yeah, Bill, she can drive a car. 16's not exactly a child. No, that's, that's that's still a kid. Still a kid. And the uh, one that he stabbed in the thigh, I guess it's just a good thing he didn't nick the femoral artery or she'd bled out. So he nicked this one girl's lung and he stabbed this other girl in the thigh, which he could have killed her with that one. And uh, he was known. He's got a record, you know, a mile, mile long. And the one of the reasons these people don't do anything about this, though, and I'll guarantee you this, is because of the way the press characterizes it. They make out like, uh, you know, they, they get out there and they say various things, but they don't ever say what needs to be said. In the case of the Blue Cities, emptying out the mental health institutions and the jails is what they're doing. And, uh, and this is what you get when you do that. They have bail reform. They have uh, progressive DAs that will not prosecute anything that have decriminalized crime. The cops will show up and they caught this Hutcherson guy and they probably took him away and he's probably muttering to himself and talking to the microwaves and whatever else he was doing. But he'll be back out. Odds are he'll be back out. Because he's black and they, you know, they're, they're getting out there and they're trying to make it to where it's completely 50-50 in the jails. Other than that, we can't have that. doesn't matter who actually, who actually commits crime. We can't have that. When I used to fly, when I used to take jets, I used to fly on Delta. And there was a reason I flew on Delta, and I I don't fly anymore, but I saw where Delta got up there, and they did something that made me proud. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I, I, it, it is not in my nature to try overtly to to insult people. And you'll understand why I was giggling when I saw this. The GS Plumbing Talk Line, 
is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I'm streaming live on the WORD Facebook page, if that sort of thing is your uh, cup of tea. I, I saw this thing that happened at a, at a Delta gate where they were you know, letting people on the plane and everything. And there was this uh, trans activist and influencer going by the name of Tommy Dorfman. Now, Tommy walks up to this Delta Airlines employee and starts accusing him of misgendering him. And he claimed he'd been purposely misgendered multiple times. Uh, now, I never, when I walk up to a female, for example, I don't walk up to a female and go, hello, female. I might say, ma'am. Maybe I should just dispense with that, too. Maybe I should just, you know, maybe I should refer to everybody as a it. Because that covers everything, right? But after a brief back and forth between the two, the gate agent threatened to have him escorted out of the building with a make-my-day style threat about it being three days before Christmas, and Dorfman quickly backed down, realizing he would end up not getting on a flight as he continued his snarky little crusade. Now, when you, he, and he goes by Tommy, right? Although, you know, he, he, uh, he, he likes to dress the part. He likes to dress the part. He recently had Dylan Mulvaney on his podcast. And, uh, yeah. Has his own podcast. Dylan Mulvaney, of course, the one that destroyed Bud Light with his disturbing girlhood antics. Dorfman is also an actor who once appeared in a Netflix film. In a post on Instagram, he accused the Delta employees of transphobia, describing their misgendering as a human rights violation. <laughs> I, you know, he was not actually misgendered. He is a self-identified transgender individual who looks and sounds like a man while also retaining the male name. But he just dresses like a woman. One thing's I... When I, when I was looking this guy up, he's actually got a picture of him in a bikini. Yeah. And let, let's put this in perspective. When you're working at a desk, taking people in, checking boarding passes and everything at the gate. Well, well let's let's go to who, who, who we got. Gene uh, from Greenville. Let's talk to Gene in Greenville. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Hello. Gene, did Gene put the phone down and walk away? Uh, maybe. Go on once. <laughs> Go in twice. Yes. Gene, did you call in and walk away from the phone, buddy? No, 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 no. I, I wanted to lower my radio. The last time I called, you. you, you Oh, okay. I had a complaint that I yeah, yeah. had the radio on. There All you right. go. Okay, okay. Thank you. What uh, can so, I do for you, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, well, first off, I, I just want to log you. I, I recognize, I told my wife this morning that, that this man is truly an outstanding culture warrior. So if I call up and I refer to you as culture warrior, you won't be offended. No, I, you know. You All right, very good. With the warrior part, I always like that part, whatever it is. You could call me like a, like a, like a, like a bonsai warrior, that would really be nice. But anyway, well, well, or a patriot warrior, because <laughs> my wife and I are talking about American yeah. history. But yes, anyway, sir. Yes, sir. 
Two points. Yeah. Number one, I'm, I'm quite why well, this morning this happened to me. I was calling up on behalf of my wife at her doctor's office, uh, and the receptionist referred to me as yes, ma'am. Oh. I was mis I was misgendered. Is that what they call it? Misgendering. Yes. So well, should I, I sue the medical practice for misgendering uh, or, or what? At the very least, Gene, you should start your own TikTok account. And then as soon as that happens, put it up and say, <laughs> did you just misgender me? I'm going to miss you. You just misgendered me. And uh, I, mean, I mean, the thing is, if you look at me, there's just no way I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a he, she, she, it or whatever. I mean, anybody will tell you that I'm I'm 6'2", 73 years old. I'm slender uh, in terms of, of uh, God has graced me with relatively good health. I am blind, however, but uh, still, uh, that uh, as my wife says, when you show up at a crowd, they all walk away from you. I said, yeah, they fear me. They yeah. sense my spirit. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I wanted to go back to the blue states, what's yeah. happening in uh, New York. You're missing something here. Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe by not by intent, but perhaps by accurate articulation. The, uh, what Eric Adams has done in New York City is that he uh, he ha- he was delighted that he was elected because now he is going to respond and destroy uh, the the vestiges of white supremacy in the New York metropolitan area. My brothers and I have had this conversation, and how do you do that? Well, number one, you go after anything that is uh, a biblically based value. So we're going to call New York City a sanctuary city for all forms of abortion, sanctuary city for, for sodomite LGBT behavior, uh, and, and promote it in the schools. On and on it goes. Uh, a sanctuary city for Muslims. You, you see my point here. Yeah. And, the, uh, and as he's doing it, he's laughing, thinking that he's finally going to get over on the so-called, well, it's basically the conservative Gentile Caucasian Bible-believing man, and sure. we're going to destroy them. And what has happened? He's destroyed it. He, he's further wrecked this city. Yeah. I just want to bring your audience to uh, uh, to the knowledge of a pastor at Times Square Church. His name is David Wilkerson. He passed away 13 years ago, and he had a final prophecy of New York City regarding it one day as a city that will turn him uh, turn into total violence with mobs of young people destroying everything in sight. All We're right. at the verge of that event. Yes. Well, I mean, you already see that in, in various stages. When they when they get together, they found out a real good use for social media. They know how to marshal their forces and get them ready to go. So, so yeah, anyway. well, thank you, Culture Listen, Warrior. Yeah, well, thank you, Gene. Happy New Year to you. I hope you had a Merry Christmas and all that other good stuff, too. Yes, I did. Okay. Be, be good now. Bye-bye. Never going to misgender Gene. <laughs> that just wouldn't happen. But see, that's the thing. I don't assign gender to anybody anyway. I don't walk up on Maestro when I'm working with something, working on something with him in studio and going, hello there, male individual cisgender dude. I just say, what's up? So, I mean, you could, but you may I not could, get what I, you want. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I, you know, that, uh, you know, that's never been a part of the way I see people talking. When I walk in and talk to Stone Man, he's not up there. Why, hello, cisgender male dude guy. You know, just, <laughs> Although it would be funny if he did. <laughs> it would be, especially coming out of his head. But yeah. anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, that I, I saw that and that was just funny. I just thought that was funny to, to see that because the, uh, the, the uh, social justice warrior, he backed down quick when he found out that he actually has very limited influence. 
And uh, people are going to want to do business with companies that respect sanity. So if I was going to fly again, I would want to find that particular ticket agent and I would shake his hand and say, you do a good, you're doing a very good job, young fella. When we get back, I'm going to give you my, well, it's not mine, but I'm going to tell you who somebody thinks are the seven most annoying people of 2023 just so you can put it in your records. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Ah, when you come to the end of the year, you want to get out there and you want to take stock of what just happened. And some great things happened in 2023, especially for me. But there are seven seven individuals out there that are deserving of our scorn because they are the most annoying. First up is Randy Weingarten. The American Federation of Teachers. She has problems with parents groups. She has problems with school choice. She likes to close schools and more than anybody else, she's a very dangerous individual with some of the stuff she's had going on. Then there is the permanent climate scold Greta Thunberg. Anybody that disagrees with young Greta, they're, you know, they're, they're met with the how dare you thing. And, um, but lately, she's decided to stand with Gaza and uh, chanting, crush Zionism. And uh, she even, the Guardian even let her put, a, put an article in the newspaper. We won't stop speaking out about Gaza's suffering. There is no climate justice without human rights. She's like a puppet, really, a marionette. Then everybody that is on late night TV is number three. All of them leftists, all of them talking points. They're getting out there. Whoever it is that, you know, uh, let's see, let's see. Elon Musk, they, they, they bash him. They mock Christmas as the queerest holiday of all. Jimmy Kimmel called uh, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, anti-gay, anti-choice, pro-conspiracy theory. Just, I, we had a little respite from it because of the writer's strike. I didn't miss it because I don't watch TV, but I mean, you know, they still irritate me. Number four would be the three, pre, all the president's women, the three women that came up representing those three big colleges, MIT, Pennsylvania, and Harvard. They all dodged the question about anti-Semitism. Liz McGill has already lost her job, and the fact the other two have not is more important. They're walking incoherently talking metaphors for the Marxist lunacy that dominates the higher education system, which is why we got to defund it. No more federal money for the, for, for the education system. Coming in at number five is Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. You guys didn't want to be a part of the royal family? Fine, go away. You're not. I damn thee. Go away. Instead, uh, you know, Meghan's out there. She's, uh, you know, they got mocked on South Park, which, you know, I would love to be mocked on South Park. You, you know you've made it when you're mocked on South Park. And uh, then Prince Harry had his book come out. I don't get that, you know. Queen Elizabeth, when she, when she was the young queen, she worked in the army during World War II. She, she, was, a, she was a mechanic or a truck driver or something. She she had a very and she always believed in service to the people. And then along comes Prince Harry, who is, you know, he's the uh, he's the son of Princess Diana. 
And, uh, you know, dude just can't, uh, you know, he just can't figure out how to cope with this. Coming in at number six is Bill Gates. Well, we, you always got to have an evil billionaire in there. Bill gets out there and he burns more gas on a, one flight than you're going to do all year. Then he says, well, it's okay because I bought a carbon offset. And that's billionaire speak for, go away, kid, you bother me. And being a hypocritical billionaire is not unique. Just go to her, the airport or one of the big conferences in Davos. Looks like a private jet sales lot. Now, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I've been paying attention to what some guys are saying about this. Number seven, coming in at number seven, are the referees of the NFL. <laughs> uh, you know. Recently, there was some bad refereeing uh, in a Kansas City game. And bad refereeing has been around for a long time. It's not a new thing, but... The, the, the game of football is not like it used to be. When I was a kid, I watched a linebacker that played for the Colts, number 32, Mike Curtis. He grabbed Roman Gabriel by the head one time, who was the quarterback for the Rams at the time, and he tried to twist his head off. And there's a picture for it. If you go look at Mike Curtis twists off Roman Gabriel's head, you'll see the picture. Dude meant to do it, and he didn't get flagged. Nowadays, if you come in and hit somebody and he doesn't see you coming, you get a flag. Unnecessary roughing. Targeting. This is football. I know it's a rough game. I know people get hurt on it. Everybody doing it is a volunteer. One of the reasons I don't watch it is I look at it as a distraction. And they, But what they have done is they've taken a game where you used to have, uh, you know, like the Minnesota defense. They were the purple people eaters. L.A. front four, that was a fearsome foursome. Those guys would, would just tear you apart. Dick Butkus just passed away. The most dangerous linebacker that ever lived is Dick Butkus. There's been others that are bigger that hit harder, but he was the meanest. He wouldn't be able to play in today's game, but, you know, that's, you know, let's just say the NFL altogether. They just, they've, they've forgotten what they're about. They have. When we get back, Scamela got out there and she decided to send out some Christmas greetings, except uh, she doesn't know how to crop a picture. <laughs> this is News Talk 98.9. W-O-R-D, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 